Welcome to the Book Report Podcast with Allie and Rach. I am Allie. And I'm Rach. And we are back. For you, it's been a week. For us, it's been... An hour. An hour. Two or two. Uh, we are in a cabin mm. in the mountains. We are cozy down in this basement. So cozy. Bedroom in respective twin beds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rach is sitting on one twin bed with a cute teddy bear. I'm sitting on another twin bed. And we're just binge recording podcasts. Yeah. And this week... We are doing. It feels so good. I <laughs> I feel so good. This has been the best. This has been delightful. I would love to do more retreats with you, I Allie. I would love to as well. Mm-hmm. This is this is the way to do it. If anyone else out there podcasts, they've probably already figured this out, that the way you do it is... Just batch them. A retreat where you're in a twin bed with your bestie. <laughs> Respective twin bed. I get cute pictures of my son from my parents. Aww. Of them telling me he's so sweet. I know. Say, and my dad just uh-huh. texted and said, the boys are so fun and well-behaved. And I'm like, parenting at its best. Yeah. Cheers, Cheers. to us. Cheers. <laughs> We're drinking out of plastic cups now. We're we drinking switched. out of plastic cups because the cabin we are in uh, was part of the horrendous deep freeze that fell across America recently. And... There's no running water in this house. Nope. We have one hose. My husband rigged up a a water hose from something that wasn't frozen. Mm -hmm. So we have one hose we all have to use for Uh everything. To fill up our toilets, to shower, (laughs) to wash dishes. So we're conserving water, but not paper products. (laughs) My husband or my family and I were spending time with my side of the family up in North Carolina where we are. And left a perfectly plumbed, hot showered home for camping with Allie. Camping in a, it's a beautiful cabin. There's just no mm-hmm. running water. Yeah. Which all. I'm fine. I feel like it's fine. That's fine. I, like, I have no problem not taking showers for multiple days. Mm-mm. And I lived on a boat. I've lived in Haiti. I'm kind of, feel like I'm used to this. I keep getting nostalgic about it. Are you every, excited? Every I'm time like you're I, a little excited. <laughs> every time I have to like heat up water to take a uh-huh. shower or wash something outside, I get, yeah, a little emotional and nostalgic about it. <laughs> sweet. <laughs> but. Uh, anyway, that is to explain why we're not using glasses. We're not using glasses. You, you don't the hear the clink. Of the plastic. You might hear people walking around, mm-hmm. dogs barking. We're just in a different environment. Mm-hmm. So this week's book we are doing this is i so we're hanging out at this cabin i finally was like we have to go record this because i have to talk about this book with you mm-hmm. i cannot wait this is probably the longest notes i've ever taken okay. on a book we're doing agatha christie murder on the orient express i don't even know where to start i should have thought this through more why don't we start with the cocktail but the cocktail is going to open up a can of worms okay immediately so, do you let do me a just go take? let me go ahead and tell you I don't think it's a hot take. Trigger warnings. There's going to be trigger warnings in this discussion. Okay. Racism, anti-Semitism, Orientalism, xenophobia, just, all mm-hmm. of those things are going to be mm-hmm. heavily discussed in this, starting with the cocktail. We're going to go here. <laughs> so what what I thought going into this book was going to be just a delightful, fun murder mystery read mm-hmm. sent me into a spiral of research and things. Ooh. And... We'll get into more about why I chose this, but if you are making a cocktail to go along with Agatha Christie, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't really matter what cocktail you make. We are doing kind of a classic, well, I say a classic, it's a 1930s cocktail called The Little Devil. It's gin, rum, lemon juice, and Cointreau. Mm-hmm. Very simple, very boozy. 
if, if I saw it in some like it's 19, super good. Yeah, it's super good. I saw. I thought it wasn't gonna be, but it works. I saw it in some 1930s like cocktail book. Mm. Whatever cocktail you make doesn't matter. The liquor you choose needs to be from a minority-owned business. So I had to pivot a bunch because we're in small town North Carolina. There weren't yeah. many minority-owned options to choose from. Mm-hmm. Find yourself a minority-owned liquor company of some sort. I originally was going to go with a cognac-based drink. There is a, a black-owned company called, I think it's Nyak, N-Y-A-K, mm-hmm. uh, which was what I was going to go with, but... Found some gin and, and rum options in small town North Carolina. But yeah, get yourself a minority owned liquor because Agatha Christie was not very supportive of minority groups. And so. Especially women. All of anything that wasn't a British man. <laughs> she was I not like, a fan of. I like do not get it. We're, this is going to be a fun podcast. Okay. So yeah, I. Basically, I want to call this any cocktail you make should just be called the middle finger to Agatha Christie. Yeah. Agatha Christie, WTF. Okay. So let's, we'll start with a summary. Can I like paint the picture of when we started reading this book together? I think I posted yeah, something on the yeah, Instagram that's... about it, but uh, were you going to talk about it? But start it. Yes. Okay. Go for it while I look this up. So a couple weeks ago, it was two weeks ago, it was very cold and it was before a snowstorm in nashville tennessee which is where we are very far from right now and ali and i were painting trim we listened to this on libby uh yeah and the narrator is both terrible and magnificent yes all in the same breath like i kept laughing and then i thought how are you doing this many accents he does of great French accent. Mm-hmm. He does an Poirot insulting is... American accent. Yes. Poirot is Belgian. I mean, he speaks French, but he's Belgian. Really? Mm-hmm. So we couldn't figure... The way this man pronounced... Every single time... How are we ever going to do this on a podcast? No. Poirot is how I'm going to say it. Poirot. Poirot. Is, it was embarrassing. I couldn't tell you what his name was for the whole time we were listening. I had to go mm-hmm. look it up because it was very intensely pronounced. This is my first Agatha Christie novel. Same. And I did see Death on the Nile. I watched that. Okay. was a movie that I watched on a plane recently. And so I had some clue as to mm-hmm. what this person was like. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we were, we were painting. We are listening to it together. The way I explained it to my husband who I actually listened to the, the book with as well, mm-hmm. the whole book. Same uh, recording. Same on Libby. Yeah. Rage and I kept every two seconds, we would just giggle and repeat whatever the narrator was saying because so many things were either the way that they were pronounced was very funny to us mm-hmm. or the things they were saying were so ridiculous. We would just laugh and repeat it. And I kept, my husband and I kept doing that too, where we would yeah. be listening to it and we just cackle and be like, <laughs> I just, I don't know, some of the things. <laughs> So let me, let's, that's how we started listening to it. Yeah. And we immediately said, Agatha Christie hates some Americans. Mm-hmm. She hates Americans. Every she hates a lot of people. American, this is how it started though, was every mm-hmm. American, the first thing that was noticeable was just the disdain of the American characters and how mm-hmm. awfully they were written. So let me give you a summary of this book. I know you've read it. We know all this by now, but we're going to recap it anyway. Mm-hmm. So... You have Agatha Christie is famous for two detectives. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is Hercule Poirot, which I am 
I have no idea how to pronounce it as an American. We've talked about this. Hercule. Hercule Poirot. <laughs> Poirot. Poirot. Hercule Poirot. He's a recurring character, and they are. He is traveling from Istanbul to Europe, and he books a ticket on the famous Orient Express train. They're on the train. I think it's on the train. He encounters a man by the name of Ratchet, which is also upsetting that you name the American Ratchet. Ratchet. And Ratchet asks for the detective's help because he knows an enemy of his is on the train. Poirot refuses very rudely. And when he Ratchet confronts him about it and is seeking his help, Poirot says no. And Ratchet's like, well, what if I paid you $20,000? He says no. Ratchet's like, I'll pay you any amount of money to help me. Poirot says no. Ratchet's like, why won't you help me? And he says, I don't like your face. <laughs> I think that's yes. the line is yes. because I do not like your face and scampers off like mm-hmm. a rude motherfucker. Mm-hmm. It's so rude. Anyway, I mean, not that Ratchet's a good guy, but so Poirot refuses. He feels suspicious of his character. In Istanbul, he re- reunites with an old friend who I think is hilarious. He's probably my favorite character. The yeah. old friend. Oh, I can't remember his name. The guy is like helping him the whole time. And it's just oh. like, such so bad at being a detective. Constantinople? No, that's the that's the doctor. That's the you think doctor. of the doctor. Anyway, yes, I he works for the company that manages the Orient Express. That's right. They are on the train. There's an eclectic mix of passengers, and in the very beginning, it is talked about how this is just so interesting that there are all these random people on this train together. It's it's just fascinating how this train is supposed to be empty this time of year, and there's mm-hmm. all these eclectic characters. There is an elderly Russian princess, a British colonel, Ratchet and his two employees, American woman. There's two, wait, there's an English woman as well. Just a hodgepodge of folks. A Swedish govern, or an English governess, a Swedish. A, prince, a Russian princess, seriously. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. On the second night of the journey, Poirot endures a sleepless night. There's a lot of noisy interruptions mm-hmm. in his sleep. And then... They realize, oh, the train is indefinitely halted by a snowdrift in the middle of this raucous night. And then Ratchet, they realize Ratchet has been stabbed to death in his berth. Mm-hmm. Poirot's friend asks him to solve the mystery before the police in, is, is it Istanbul, where they're going to stop? Yugoslavia, yes. something. His friend asks him to help solve this murder. There's no book. Flip. M. Book. 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 We don't know. We're B-O-U-C. B-O-U-C. Yeah. There's no footprints in the snow, so they know the murderer's still on board. There's a coroner, Dr. Constantine, determines. And this is where, for Rachel and I, it started to go south. Maybe. I can't remember if it was you and I or Josh and I that talked about this. I don't know that we were there for... We were there for the murder. Okay. Ratchet has been stabbed 12 times, probably by two individuals. While we're listening to this, they keep talking about how... Some of the stab wounds had to be from a man, and some of them had to be from a woman. Mm. And I kept pausing it and saying, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And they have a whole discussion about how his, women, how women a, not, a stabbing like this has to be done by a woman, but these stab wounds are so deep and strong, a woman could have never done it. But stabbing like this is definitely a woman's crime. I, I'm going to use but that also, ridiculous accent. But also Italians... Yes! Italians are stabbers. Ita- we know a knife is a weapon of the Italians. And I'm like, 
It's so ridiculous. The worst detectives. The worst detectives. So they, anyway, they have all these weird clues. It all feels very random. Figures out that Ratchet is not Ratchet. Ratchet is... He's linked to the murder of Daisy Armstrong. It was this, like, famous American abduction and murder of a child. Cassetti. Cassetti. His name is Cassetti. Yeah. And the ridiculous conclusion to all of this... It is ridiculous. (laughs) I kept trying to think... I took notes, like, separate notes to try to, like, keep all the characters straight. Because there's so many... There's 12, 11 characters. Uh Uh-huh. And it's supposed to mimic, like, a jury. Yeah. That decides a case. Which I thought that was fun, actually. That was fun. But I couldn't keep all the characters straight. So many. Because there was an Italian and there was an American that they said was acting like an Italian, the private detective. I don't. Everything. I was very confused. I had to write everything down. So you're writing all this down. You're, like, so confused. And in the end, the it, they are all people connected to this murder of Daisy Armstrong. Do you want to talk about the murder? Of Daisy Armstrong? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you why don't you go through the, the murder of Daisy Armstrong? Okay. So there's a political family in America. It seems like it might be pulled from the... Mm-hmm. What's the case that they... It was... We're pilot. True crime persons, yeah. The pilot. Uh-huh. He was a pilot. He and his wife, his baby was kidnapped. The Lindberg's. Lindbergh's. Damn it. <laughs> we did it at the same time. <laughs> we didn't look that, that up either. We, we yeah, it came we to knew. our minds. So the Lindbergh baby. Do you think it may have had, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that. it did okay. come from that. Yeah, okay. she said it did. Okay. So it seemed like a little bit like Lindbergh mm-hmm. for American true crime fans. But this baby was kidnapped and held for ransom, and when the parents paid, the baby was found dead. Yeah. So Daisy actually wasn't a baby. She was a little older than that. As you learn later, she had, like, teachers and all the folks who come into play Everyone later in the book. loved this baby. They all loved this baby. Everyone thought this baby was, like, the shit. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, that's the story. And so all of these people who knew this baby... I think it was at the tri- – the guy got away somehow. Cassetti got away. Mm-hmm. And they were either at the funeral or the trial or something. All these people were together mm-hmm. and thought, justice has not been served. We're going to devise this elaborate plan Yeah, where we all find Cassetti and murder him together. And so there's not one murderer. Every single one of them took one stabbing, right? There they was all- 11. 11. No, there was 12 because I guess they included the- – I forgot they included the um- – one of the people that worked on the train. Yeah. So there were 12... The conductor. 12 people who all killed him. Mm-hmm. And that's how it ends. Let's go back to when you said the Italian... When she said... So Rachel and I listened to this and we had said, oh my gosh, she really hates Americans. My husband and I are listening to this in the car. And then I thought... So we separate that night. It started snowing. Yes. Allie took me home and... Then we, we're listening at separately. At that point forward we listen to it separately yeah we got the setup so i would love to hear this is what i've been excited to talk to you about okay i'll tell you how it went down for me and you tell Mm -hmm. me how it went down for you okay i then so we had talked about how she doesn't like americans that every american is described as having some ugly animal face like Mm -hmm. a toad face or a yeah horse face they're all just ugly and rude and no one likes them yeah and then the italian remark where he says we all know that Italians use knives in their crimes or something like and that. And every time all of the 
what the, when the detectives, there's three people that come together every time and like, okay, what do we think about this last suspect yeah. after this last interview? It's like, well, we still know the Italians love knives. Yes. Like, what the fuck? So I heard that and I stopped the, I stopped it and I said, this is a, this is a trigger warning for racism. I'm just going to throw out what I said. I wasn't being racist, but my, trigger warning for me thinking Agatha mm-hmm. Christie was being vile. I stopped it and said, this feels one second away from if there was a black person on this train, there would be a lip drink. Mm-hmm. It feels vile the way she is stereotyping every person who is not English or this one Belgian mm-hmm. guy. And Josh says, I was just thinking the same thing. Is Agatha Christie an awful person? And I don't know anything about Agatha I Christie. I did no research about I knew she is, writes murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. Then we... She like, writes... Dozens, dozens of murder mysteries. So female in the thirties, which yeah. kudos. Yes, you want to like her, you want to root for her. I wanted, yeah, I did. And then, so but we're driving. I'm driving, and Josh is in the car doing. He's actually trying to do some real estate continuing mm-hmm. education. So we kind of just start <laughs> playing it again. Then there's a line where the German lady. Mm-hmm. Th- this book was written in. Let me just tell you. Thirty three. 34. This book was written or released in 34. The German lady is talking about the American murder of Daisy Armstrong and says something along the lines of, us Germans could never be so vile. And I sure did. Stop it. And I said, is Agatha Christie a Nazi? When was this written compared to World War II? Yeah. Granted, it was released in 34. It was released before World War II. But that feels... Feels like you're on the come up, honey. You, a, a German mm-hmm. telling Americans that they could, we are the vile ones? Feels mm-hmm. <laughs> real wrong. So then this is when I went on the spiral of mm. learning about Agatha Christie. So while oh. we're driving, I'm Ooh. making my husband, I said, stop everything. I need to know everything about Agatha Christie. So okay. my husband proceeds to just Google so many things about her while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. Before I tell you all the things I learned, I would okay. love to hear how your, is your thought process similar where you're reading this and you're like, Agatha, girl. No, I was less interested in Agatha Christie. I love knowing about people, so mm-hmm. I'm really excited to hear what you said. I was trying to finish it. I, I liked the, um, the feeling that the story gave me, which was kind of a, like a nostalgic. Like Clue. Like Clue. I just wanted to watch Clue. <laughs> yes. I liked that. I hated the way the stereotypes you were You picked used. up on the vibes. No, for we sure. All pay- I, it started with the Americans. I don't give a shit. If you make fun of us, fair. Fair. But from um, a British person, no. <laughs> Sorry, British people. The, You're also I know, colonizers. <laughs> I don't know a lot about Italians. I know they're not perfect. Right. But to call them all... Stabbers doesn't feel good. I just, why? Everything was one smidge uh-huh. away And from the way just... women's, like, features were described and yeah. weights were described and the way they were, like, a middle-aged woman, the way he described it is an ancient being yeah. that's ready to be buried. I hated that. And I, when I say he, I'm talking in the voice of hip, but... <laughs> Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie wrote this male protagonist. Yes. Who's in so many of her books in the voice of him. And it sucks. It sucks. Why? It sucks. Like, at least, so 
Agatha Christie only had the perspective of a woman, mm-hmm. why not change that stereotype? Right. Why write about the same shit? It is, to me, that is, I, I read a lot or hear a lot about white women and how they, the ways they hold up like white supremacy and patriarchy because it's kept us safe. Fish. Mm-hmm. It sucks, but it's kept us from being the bottom of the ladder, the Fair. bottom rung for so uh-huh. long. That's what this feels like. It feels like mm-hmm. she's so in her time period and place in society that she can't, she didn't get out of it. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Where, oh, I'm right. I'm successful she, at writing. I'm a good writer. People love reading what I write. Don't write something that people aren't going to want to read because mm-hmm. they're uncomfortable reading it. Yeah. I've already taken one step. Yeah. Up the ladder? I was, uh, yeah, I just didn't, and I didn't expect any of this because mm-hmm. I thought Agatha Christie, everyone loves, Ag- there's nothing controversial about Agatha Christie. This is where the spiral is uh-huh. going to take place. So she, there's a lot of examples of racism, anti-Semitic views, xenophobia in her books. Okay. I have one little fact about this. You do? You go first. But there's another book that Emily Whitson recommended called And Then There Was None. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is one of my it top comes things. Up. Yeah. So before it was changed to that title, do you have what that, do you have what it was? It was called Ten Little Inwards, mm-hmm. uh, which was a minstrel song of the 1800s. Mm-hmm. So Ten Little Indians is also mm-hmm. the name of this song, which I don't even that's not a song I, I didn't know it was called kids. that. I thought it was called Ten Little Indians. No, before it was Ten Little N-Words. Oh. The original cover is, I don't even want to describe it. It was, it's pretty bad. Oh, God. It is, it's bad. Okay. I, so I didn't believe, I was like, there's no way this cover that I was reading about, it's pretty bad. And yeah, if you look up on uh, first editions, if you look up first editions mm-hmm. of the book, it's... So it's changed twice. It's been changed twice to make it more acceptable. <laughs> oh my god! That's what I didn't know. Okay, so okay, to continue on your spiral. Okay, let me tell you my spiral. This was the first point. Her book, and then there were none, was originally titled "What I Said." Mm-hmm. It was changed to "Tindal Indians," then it was changed to "And Then There Were None." However, in her autobiography that she wrote herself that was released after her death in the 70s while everyone else in the world changed the title of the book because, They're duh, yeah. she still used the original title in her <gasps> autobiography. So while you want, what? in some ways, and I'll get to this, April. in some ways I think she grew and changed as a person, mm-hmm. but in her autobiography, she she referred to it by the original title. So mm-hmm. fuck you for that. Fuck you for that. So... Da, not a not a fan of that Agatha, and, mm-hmm. and again, a lot of there were a lot of changes to her books throughout the years, but she still went back to that original title. This is another. So I was there. There's a lot about racism, mm-hmm. obviously, in her books. There's a lot of anti-Semitic references. Um, this is from Forward.com. After this is a quote after mm-hmm. World War II. Christie's literary agent authorized her U.S. publisher to silently delete anti-Semitic references in reprints of her pre-war novels. This effort at retrospective image polishing was not done in her native England. 
Therefore, American readers have had a different view of just how anti-Semitic her books were. So this is what was interesting to me. And this is like, I want to talk some more about some of the examples, but mm-hmm. I it's very interesting to me that I dove into this book as someone who tries very hard to mm-hmm. know what's up with, you know, I'm not going to try to go read racist authors or yeah. if I am reading something that in historical context, I want to have that context when I read it. Yeah. Had no idea. It's because her books were scrubbed in America. So we don't have, we have a very different view than other people in the world. So like in the UK, her books weren't scrubbed as much, uh-huh. but in the US they were. So do you feel like in the UK, the attitude towards Agatha Christie novels are less? I, I don't know. But I just think it's very interesting that we went into this just thinking it's these fun murder like, mysteries. A woman! And we still pick, even scrubbed, we picked up on mm-hmm. ickiness. That even that is a scrubbed version of what it oh was. Oh my gosh. So... This is, um, there's a Agatha Christie specialist, Jillian Gill, and this is what she had to say. They had to say? Jillian. Mm-hmm. Gonna assume. A kind of knee-jerk anti-Semitism colors the presentation of Jewish characters in many of her early novels, and Christie resil- reveals herself to be as unreflective and conventional as the majority of her compatriots. Christie's anti-Semitism had always been of the stupidly unthinking rather than deliberately vicious. As her circle of acquaintances widened and she grew to understand what Nazism really meant for Jewish people, Christie abandoned her knee-jerk anti-Semitism. What is more, even at her most thoughtless and prejudiced, Christie saw Jews as different, alien, and un-English rather than as depraved or dangerous. People one does not know rather than one people one fears so there's a lot of discussion about like which i feel three like right depravity you can like get on board she thought they were human but like foreigners oh my gosh which i'm like okay so she's xenophobic Uh (laughs) uh-huh is that better than anti-semitism and i get the i get when you're putting it in the context of war world war Mm ii i get putting like it on a scale of a Holocaust supporter versus someone who is like, this is foreign to me. This is similar to the last book we talked about, mm-hmm. where we talked about some moral moral groundings and doing the right thing in all scenarios. Yeah. What's upsetting to me is that looking retrospectively back at that, that she, this person, this is, those were not my thoughts that yeah. I read. That was someone yeah. else's thoughts. Looking back post-war, she still used, like, the N-word after yes. everyone changed it. She didn't fully change. So is that better? Are you cre- still con- like a, you're still contributing to the systemic problems by using these characters? It feels like a dog whistle. Yes. Like, yes. I am still thinking You're still part of the problem. Yeah. You're still part of the problem. Uh-huh. You are still part of the problem. Christopher Hitchens, in his memoir... Hitch 22. Christopher Hitchens, is he the... The author. Okay. So, Hitchens remembers a dinner at Christie's home this way. So, he is Jewish. The anti-Jewish flavor of the talk was not to be ignored or overlooked, or put down to heavy humor or generational prejudice. It was vividly unpleasant, and it was bottom-numbingly boring. So, people who were around her remember her. Mm-hmm. As sitting around the dinner table having anti-Semitic discussions. It's not even discussion. That makes it sound like it's just 
they're they're that tall. The everyone they thinks that the level set. Yeah, we're yeah. Um, and then I have two more example. I have one more example. Okay. So this is from Lakshmi Krishnan in the thought in on thoughtcatalog.com. Christy, however, is close enough to our own time to make her Orientalist undercurrent far more troubling. Some of the worst examples. So she had a countdown of like mm-hmm. these are some examples. Some of her worst examples in the countdown above were published in the 50s. More frightful, I was one of the colonial inheritors of such prejudice. I didn't even flinch at its presence. I grew up on it. I loved those books. Does this mean I will no longer enjoy Christie? No, she's still one of the best mystery writers around. But to adopt some subaltern rhetoric, it's time for a self re-self-definition. Will the awareness of her racism blunt my enjoyment? I sure hope so. <gasps> I loved that quote. It's so honest and it's so honest. And this is so this is a question it brought me to. What do we think about art being revised to remove dangerous caricatures? Because I think what we're sitting with right now is mm. a piece of art. A piece of art that is undeniably globally people think is a great version valuable and whatever of mystery literature. You're using. Yeah. yeah. So what do we think about the fact that in America, you and I thought Agatha Christie's just a mystery writer. Mm-hmm. What do we think about them removing the dangerous caricatures from her writings? On one hand, it creates a safer society. On the other, it leads us to celebrate artists who should maybe have more critique and thought placed around them. I think that's the, I think that's it. That's like, my, I don't want to remove it because that feels censorship. And yeah, I struggled with this. Like but shitty people, I hope are seen as shitty. If they want to publish shitty things, I want, I want everyone to think it's shitty. I think that now, but I think removing it in the 50s so post-war mm-hmm. they removed a lot of these caricatures post-war post-world war ii probably actually got us to where we are today because it's removing dangerous stereotypes and caricatures from mm-hmm. pop culture mm. so you remove that yeah you, you are removing some dangerous stuff from society and pop culture now we're a little bit we're not past that obviously but a no, little bit but i think now I'm going to call it wokeness because... That's the term we all know. Yeah. Recognize. I want to believe that everyone would see a little bit of racism and call it shitty. Yeah. That's what I want to believe is that everyone... It doesn't have to be censored. Right. I want you to be... I want you to be canceled. And in a sense. Like, in a sense. In a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I... Not... If you could remove what you thought about canceling, just like, oh, you do something shitty. It should be called shitty. It should be called shitty. You can apologize for it. And if I think you're sorry, then I don't know. What if you make the best baked beans in America? (laughs) Baked beans is the only thing that came to mind in that one instance. (laughs) And you say something that's garbage. I'm going to miss those baked beans while I come to terms with what you said and hope you're sorry for it. I'll buy my baked beans somewhere else. Why is baked beans the hardest word to say? I don't know, and I don't know why you're going to baked beans. But, okay, I just don't eat meat. I was just trying to think of something quick, and I'm sorry. Popular food. A popular food. Those baked beans. Those baked beans. So, I, the, the, one, the wonder of cancel culture is you can just stop using the things that you have to support a thing or yeah. person or idea. And... That's real democracy, folks, is the people deciding what they don't or do want. And if the baked bean maker that I support has said, like, God, I have changed and I am sorry. 
blah, blah, and I feel like he's genuine, I'll start buying his baked beans again mm-hmm. because – But you should be given the choice. That's what I feel. That's my choice. Is- I feel like I got a little gypped on Agatha Christie because I didn't have a choice yeah. because I, they washed But the her. internet is at your fingers. True. And now you get to know that. And, and I do – I will say we picked up on it still. Both of us were – Yeah. Both of us picked up on it and Googled it and yeah. found out. Yeah. Pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. She was not the greatest person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she had some real dangerous stereotypes, characters, and racist views. Xenophobic. But it actually, I mean, I couldn't have just read this. I mean, I did read this book and see the things that you saw, but all the other history that you gave us, that's because that knowledge exists somewhere and someone shared it. So kudos to the internet. Not everyone has that tool. And shame on you if you're not using it mm-hmm. correctly or smartly or whatever. But... I feel like that's what makes it different. Yeah. I don't know if it should be censored anymore. That's true. In the true. age of the internet, it yeah. sucks. That- I would love other people to weigh in on this. And, yeah. and I think especially, there, to me, there's two parts. There's from this point forward, what would you mm-hmm. do right now if someone from, you know, if your favorite 80s movies, they do. Like, yeah. there's plenty of things from our childhood. That are problematic. That are problematic. Do you remove that to create a less... A stereo or a society full of less dangerous stereotypes and characters and all of this, or do you leave it and confront it? And then, so there's like to me, there's today. What do we do mm-hmm. this day forward? What do you think about it from the past? And are there other authors and pieces of art that we just are doing this with that have been kind of yeah scrubbed clean? Isn't it? Uh, what's the TV show? Give me some more hints. I love games. <laughs> San Francisco Tech Company. Oh, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. where the main guy gets asked him to scrub the internet of all of like the minutes of him. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah, a, nah, bra. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like that's what was done, and I feel a little bitter about it. I'm glad that people on the internet voiced their opinions. I love that last quote where someone said, it contributed to my, I inherited this colonization. I mm-hmm. inherited these these ideas ideas and views will it change me i hope so Mm -hmm. am i gonna am i gonna never read agatha christie again maybe not Mm -hmm. but i'll look at it differently and i hope i do i like that quote and totally and i i love that i'm i'm very interested i'm actually like we're about to go upstairs and have dinner with our best friends and people that we love and i feel like very comfortable asking them yeah yeah this is gonna be a great discussion Uh uh-huh uh a discussion that, yeah, I think a lot of, particularly all of the people here are white, all mm-hmm. discussions that we need to mm-hmm. be confronting and having and yeah. facing. Do we disagree on what should be done? I don't think so. I don't know what I think. Okay. I just think it probably did, at the time, help if you remove dangerous characters. And when I say dangerous, I mean people were dying. Yeah. Like, lynchings were still happening actively in the 50s. Do you think that's because the internet like the internet is what I'm describing as it does change things. Unbelievable communication between people all across the world. Like unimaginable to the people It's on you if you're not doing your research and figuring out. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. In the 50s did it probably help us move past some of those dangerous things? Probably. So are we in it? Is it the different age that That's what I'm that's what I'm kind of curious about. Do I think it was a bad thing to remove them then? Probably not. I think it was the right move. People were going to consume her books. Mm-hmm. She was wildly popular. You should not put that out into society. And I'm thankful that people knew that because yeah. 
it was causing real harm to people. Yeah, this Those is a really are, hot take. Censorship exists and is... And I don't, I don't even know if you can call that censorship. If you, her, it said silently, you know, remove these references. I mm-hmm. don't know this for a fact, but I would assume she had a say in like whether those were removed or not. Mm-hmm. To me, that that's a different. That's different than I your local school board. Well, even if she, did, it's to me, your local school board saying we're not going to let any kids read these books is different than yeah. saying your publisher saying take out these three parts mm-hmm. because it is not good. Yeah. If if some of the books and I'm not pro censorship, but some mm-hmm. of the books that are out there today that are getting taken off library shelves and things like yeah. that, if a publisher or the author chose to take out certain parts of the book mm-hmm. and they had their reasons, that is one thing. Yeah. Versus um a very loud minority of people saying that no one should have access to that. Yeah. You you still have access to her versions of books. No mm-hmm. one's taking away your access to that. Because of the internet. Because of the internet. Well, yeah. also because no one in the UK thought it was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which makes full circle <laughs> her making fun of Americans. <laughs> Just makes it less, I don't know, more funny. This but yeah. This is such a fun episode. Yeah, I like this episode. This is a good one. I love that we brought a whole I bottle of wine down here. didn't drink any of it because we just talked the whole time. Yeah. This is <laughs> good combo. I'm so glad we don't talk about these books before we read them. I know. It was hard. This one was hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to throw this out there that at some point, either in the winter season or the spring season, we one thing I think is that we say... Agatha Christie is, you know, the best mystery writer. She's mm. the best-selling mystery writer. Uh, people of color were not given that chance back when she was writing these books. So we yeah. should find – I would love to find a mystery writer, mm-hmm. who, a person of color or a Jewish mystery writer that we can, like, also celebrate. pop in there and celebrate yeah. to kind of make up 100%. for Agatha Christie. <laughs> Agatha Christie. Yeah. I could talk about this for hours, but – Why do you suck so much? I know. Agatha. I love the name Agatha, too. I actually yeah. really love that name. Yeah. Really glad I didn't have a daughter to name Agatha before. Next, you're going to call her. Ikul. I Let me tell you. She never knew that. What are the books She's she listened to? She's pointing to me. She is me. What? You're pointing to me. No, like, where are the books she listened to? Like, where are those called? Libby? No. On Libby? What's, like, Audible. Oh, listen to on Mom. Yeah. She, she didn't know about that. She didn't know. We it was gonna. always said in her head. No one is reading these books into someone's ears. I now listen to almost to every book we read on, at least a sliver of it, on mm-hmm. audiobooks that I can pronounce things correctly. Did you read our next book? Or did you listen Mm-mm. to our next So book? let's wrap this up by let's telling you about our next book. I did not up. listen to it on audiobook because as much as I love to read some smut, listening to it on audiobook <gasps> awakens the... Little evangelical Allison. <laughs> the way I grew up. Uh, yeah, it just awakens that in me and I can't do it. I can't mm-hmm. listen to it. So we are, next week, we are doing Ice Planet Barbarians. And I cannot wait. By? By Ruby Dixon. Mm-hmm. We are going to be doing this book. That do Even saying that we're doing this book makes me kind of giggle there after reading this book. There has been no lack of funny puns having to do with blue aliens no. on this retreat. We've Our husbands have been absolutely brutal. Brutal. Like, m- making fun of us nonstop. But then my, okay, but then my husband did say, I'm for sure going to read this book. Yeah, he is for sure. He started he's it. On the, he's on the smut train. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, we're going to be doing Ice Planet Barbarians by Ruby Dixon. I'm very excited. It is, I thought that every book we've done, I love the randomness of this season. Mm-hmm. Just whatever we feel like. It's whatever's, you know, pulling us. Last week we did Small Things Like These, which is an actual treasure. Treasure. Delightful. Wonderfully. Well written. Uh-huh. We do Agatha Christie. Uh-huh. And now we're doing Ice Planet Barbarians. Ruby Dixon. <laughs> Which even your name. Her last name. Dixon. <gasps> oh my God. It also brings out the giggly middle schooler in me. I cackled. I was cackling the whole time I was reading this book. Um, I can't wait to do it. I wanted to cackle. I, don't, I do not cackle while I read. So I'm very quiet. And my husband knew what I was reading. And I think he just thought I was turned on. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. I was like, no, I'm reading. I have to read this before we podcast about it. Oh my god. There's, okay, we should stop. We're gonna keep talking about it. We're gonna reveal too much. All right. Join next us week. next week. We are very excited about this one. Again, it's gonna be next week for you. We might do it. Same today. day for us. Same day for us. I hope y'all are having an um, amazing, an amazing, <laughs> an amazing 2023. 2023. I hope it's great. Uh I hope you're reading lots of books along with us for 2023. Yeah, and if you made it packed to 2023 to go to the gym every day don't give yourself a day off <laughs> give yourself some days off don't make those packs That's or go silly. to the gym and then instead of working out just go to the sauna go to the sauna oh, hell yeah and then just read a book and then just read a book yeah that's how we roll mm-hmm. all right so we will see you all back next week for ice planet barbarians bye bye thanks for listening to this week's podcast of the book report with Allie and rach you can find us on instagram at book report podcast you can find us on TikTok at at Book Report Podcast. And if you want to write us an email, you can write us an email at thebookreportpod at gmail.com.